The Doctrine and Devotion Southwest Conference is going down on Saturday, March 21st at 10 a.m. in Burleson, Texas at Graceview Baptist Church. Our theme for this one-day micro-conference is Contending for the Gospel, Protecting Orthodoxy, and Promoting Unity. For all of the details and to register, head on over to DoctrineAndDevotion.com. Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast exploring Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. And I'm Jimmy Fowler, executive pastor at Redeemer Fellowship. You know, it's been a good day. Good day. It's been a long day. Very long. I still got a long, I still got a few more hours and then I'm good. Yeah, because there's a women's thing going on here at the church. So my kids are going to come here, grab them, or two of them are here. Then we're going to go get the third one at soccer practice. Then I can get him home, bathe, PJ'd, fed. Got him, got him playing soccer. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, Ellis yeah. is doing good. He I likes like it. Right. Yeah, he's doing really good. good. Leeds United. <laughs> Leeds United. Now, that's, now that's kind of weird. Because I would, weird? I would imagine he'd be on a different team. What, what team would he be on? I don't know. No, I don't. I don't what do you mean? I just... I just I, I don't don't look at him and think European exactly. You don't look at him and see no, European. No, I don't see. Was European. that a little microaggression? I, I maybe to you it was. I don't really know. I'm just saying. Like it just I just would imagine him playing for a different All right, team. Joe, why don't we go ahead and move on because I feel like you're bordering on a line there. Oh, you just sensitive. Listen, um, we saved the best of of our day for this very moment. Um, we are honored to have on with us uh, the podcast here, Dr. Joanne Jung. She is the Associate Dean uh, of Online Education and Faculty Development, and she is the Associate Professor of Biblical and Theological Studies at Biola University. She's an author of a number of books, uh, Knowing Grace, Cultivating a Lifestyle of Godliness, and two that we want to talk to her about specifically. One is called Godly Conversation, Rediscovering the Pure practice of conference, which we have mentioned a few times here on the podcast, and the lost discipline of conversation, surprising lessons in spiritual formation drawn from the English Puritans. We love these books, and we are excited to have Dr. Jung on the show. Welcome, Dr. Jung. Thank you, and please call me Joanne. Okay. Thank you, Joe, and thank you, Jimmy. Can I, can I just go JJ? Can we, you know what? We're just going to go JJ. That was my idea. No, no, I just said <laughs> it. I just said it on air. It's me. This is what Jimmy does every episode. He takes my ideas. Oh yeah, because they're yeah. all. Yeah, whenever so you sound, whenever good. you sound so good, it's because I gave you the words to say. Yeah, Sarah no de Bergia. So okay, go ahead, JJ. I'm glad you're here. Okay. Um, so I'm glad to be here. These 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 books are they're not just true. They are. This, it's filled with good doctrine, but you're, you're covering things like you've got some aspects of church history, of course, yeah. you're talking about the Puritans. Yeah. Um, you're diving into uh, this issue of. Holy Conference, but you would do so in an intensely practical way, especially in that second book, The Lost Discipline. Now, um, oh. one of the first questions that whenever we find people that love the Puritans, love to read the Puritans, we like to ask them, how did you find your way into the history, theology, and practices of the Puritans? Because, you know, they're not exactly super popular. Yeah. Yeah. No, in fact, they, they uh, got a pretty bad rap, didn't they? Yeah. Um, I... I was applying for a PhD program and I needed a couple of possible dissertation topics. Mm. I had a few, but I needed one or two more. I yelled over our, um, our uh, cubicle wall to a colleague of mine and I said, I, I need another couple uh, titles. And he said, uh, come on over. So I walked uh, all of what, 10 steps over. And he just said this one line to me. He said, why don't you do something on the English Puritans? They're always getting a bad rap. Mm. That was it. And that, that ignited my journey to discovering some of my best old dead friends. 
Mm. Their readings, their writings, uh, just uh, powerful treatises, sermons. Uh, I just couldn't get enough. Now, Um, these books that you're writing, um, emphasizing this concept of conference. Now, when most people talk about conference, they're thinking about, you know, these conferences like Together for the Gospel, the Gospel Coalition Conference, or League of Mm -hmm. Nations National Conference. Or even probably the best thing ever, the Doctrine of Ocean Conference happening March 21st in Burleson, Texas, (laughs) as well as our our other one in the fall. Our our annual conference here in Chicago. And then the one we're going to do in California again. And maybe we're looking at Atlanta. I don't know. Just one of those conferences. That's what people think about. That's what they think about. That's all the emails we get about going northeast, but we're not going going to Massachusetts. But that is not what your books are about. Out, they it is what yeah. what is conference what i mean because it's a it's it sounds odd it is isn't it um in fact there was a, a while when, uh, when i thought uh, you know i don't know if this will, this will take off there's just so many competing um uh, understandings of the word conference and why add another one and i thought well perhaps we need to because this, these conferences that the English Puritans would exercise, this activity they would exercise, were these meaningful conversations. They were intentional, they were meaningful, and they always <clears throat> included some aspect of biblical truth. Because mm. the Bible was their litmus, right. litmus mm. test in how they lived life, right? So in these conversations, now when they talked about conference with yourself, that was meditation. Right. Conference right. with uh, one another, pastors and pastor pastor uh they would have pastors with other with their congregants they would have conferences between spouses conferences between parents and children i mean it was a whole variety of of uh, relationships uh that people had with the intention of blending two things one was biblical literacy no matter where they were on the spectrum mm. whether they were a brand new believer or they've been walking with the lord for decades mm. Uh, their biblical literacy was always blended with what we would commonly or currently call uh, soul care. Right. So they would ask, how stands it? You know, um, I think Bunyan in his book, Pilgrim's Progress, what stand, how stands it now between you and God? You know, that's, you can't answer that like you would as you would, how are you? Right. Mm. But it takes, it takes a pause, doesn't it? Just to, to ask, well, how stands it now between you and God? Whoa. Uh, let me think about that for a minute. So like when I'm uh, hearing you talk, uh, Joanne, about conference and, and conferencing by yourself, conferencing with others, uh, asking kind of those more pointed, difficult questions. I mean, how would you then describe or maybe differentiate between the Puritan practice of conference from the average church's small group ministry? Uh, you know, they came to adapt. Um, well, oftentimes uh, with our small groups, and again, my dissertation came out a, a while ago, but it was um, when I did a, a data support, so to speak, on on uh, small groups, it was very kind of discouraging. Mm. Uh, we tend to meet, but we don't tend to really get into issues of life with regard to scripture. In fact, many times if we're having a meal, we spend much of the time at the meal. Mm. And then when, when and then when we do get into a discussion, it's like, oh well. So what's happening in your life? So it's like an update on our lives. And um, there have been, you know, research has shown that actually very little time is spent on applying scripture to our lives. Yeah, and we've all experienced and, that in our in small groups and churches, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, and and part of it is we don't feel safe enough, mm. you know, to do this in our group. 
And so what the book outlines is how do we ease into this? How do we ease into this? And, and it focuses on well-framed questions. Right. How can we exercise well-framed questions that we move into something that's, uh, you probably remember this, you know, informational level to then a transitional level yeah. and then a transformational level. Well, that that sort of um, sets us up to, to talk a little bit about what the role of scripture is in conference, because um, you you detail this in the book in, in, yeah. in very practical ways. But you know, a lot of a, a lot of small groups, you know, you, they'll they'll have that Bible out, they'll open it up. Um, it almost feels like an information dump. I mean, yeah, I, I don't want to be yeah. rude when I say that, but it feels like, yeah. you know, just kind of. Re- regurgitating and but what you explain uh about the the puritan habit and and this discipline that we should be taking up is that there is a multifaceted there are multi the scripture should have a multifaceted role and work in these small groups can you just talk about that walk us through what the role of scripture is in conference what should it be doing how should it be used it should have a primary place in our conversations it should have a primary place in our small groups um and i think small group leaders uh pastors uh, can emphasize that no mm-hmm. matter you know where they are, whether they're in small group leader training or at the pulpit, uh, as we as as it is spoken about small groups. Or, you know, this week when you spend your time when you gather in small groups, you know, be mindful of this. And I think we can have better segues between our um, sermon messages, small groups. Yeah. Um, they can be a little uh, compartmentalized. Well, I go to small group or, you know, I, I listen to sermon, but I think this can be a little bit more uh, uh, more close, more closer ties, uh, communicating those to um, our congregants as they are, you know, attending the, the service, listening to a sermon, as well as going to small groups. But um, I, I would say the, I know the Bible is critical and it should be central. And might I add, um, a correct, accurate understanding of Scripture mm. is critical. And so, what the Puritans would do is they would take what they've learned from their private Bible reading, but they were also very good at taking notes from, um, as they listened to the sermon, there were four critical ways that people engaged with the sermon message. Yeah. And one was they listened really well and the, and the pastor would have framed their, and, uh, created their sermons in a way that would be memorable. Yeah. Mm. So, there would be the listening part. There'd be the part that um, a, 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 mem- a church attendee would say, "Hey, these are the these are the bullet points, or these are the points that I remember," and they would repeat it to one another as they're walking down the road, or perhaps in our context, you know, driving in the car. And so they listen, they take notes, they would repeat, and then they'd conference. So they're talking to one another. So you see very, very well, very clearly how relational they were. They were very much into community. And I just want to point out there for uh, Jared Wilson, who I know listens to this podcast, (laughs) Mm -hmm. that note taking Sunday morning is beneficial. Thank you, Dr. Jung. Yeah, Jared Jared can be a little salty on that. If I may, I I would like to read just a couple of bullet points and a a sentence from a part of your book in the chapter called The Word Heard, Read, and Remembered, because that's Uh, really what you're talking about. It's so good. Anyways, here you have some suggestions to listen, ways to listen to sermons, to take them in, because this becomes sort of the fountainhead for what's going to happen in these conferences throughout the week. You said, listen expectantly for Christ preached from the word. 
be prepared to take notes, whether hard copy handouts or provided or not. These can be filed together or taped to a page in, um, oh, I lost my spot here. Sorry. In your journal. There you go. These can be filed together or taped to a page in a personal journal in sequence with journaling for reviewing and highlighting personal takeaways. Note take on mobile devices, but only if you are not tempted to click on an app or check your emails when doing so. Very good. Meet together. You said meet together with others over coffee or lunch to discuss your takeaways from the message and encourage your small group leader to facilitate conversations at the gathered meetings with well-framed questions or prompts. And then you said this, good teaching invites hearers to search the scriptures and ask questions. It refrains from using the eloquent speech or the lacing of so many entertaining stories and anecdotes that the word of God is not clearly presented. That, yeah. the, that is the, the smallest of sampling from uh, some of the practicals that you give. You even give practical uh, advice for how to listen to people better. I mean, it's been, uh, it, it's, it's, it's really helpful. And this whole idea of, of the word being essential, foundational, but woven throughout all of the, these uh, gatherings for Holy Conference sort of leads us to um, see the value of the word and not just the value mm. of the word, but the value of the word of God mm-hmm. translated into the language oh. of the people oh. that they can really get behind. KJV. Now, uh, no, stop that. No, that's fine. But that's not what, no, no, we're not doing KJV. They wouldn't, they wouldn't sponsor us anyway. You're going to get us in trouble. Uh, now, even, 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 even Dr. Jung knows but that we're talking about the New American Standard Bible. Oh, she knows about that gold standard among word-for-word translations. All right. Well, this yeah. month, Zondervan is delighted to publish these new beautiful Bibles in the NASB 1995 text uh, with Zondervan's new exclusive NASB Comfort Print typeface. Really easy to read. Jimmy and I have these Bibles. We love these Bibles. Now, one of the most anticipated Bibles coming out this month is the new NASB Single Column oh, Reference Bible. that's the one I've got. I love okay. it. It is, it is beautifully bound if you go with that leather version, but uh, single column, man, it's uh, easy to read. Um, it just, it, it lays flat. And I'd like, I, not just how it lays flat. I actually like how they uh, arranged everything. It's mm. actually, it's not just the, the type is easier. Type yeah, the typesetting is, oh yeah, it's, it's, it's good. So if you want to get one of these Bibles, you want to get more information, you want to see some samples, go to nasb1995.com uh, and take it in and then place your order, nasb1995.com. Mm. So, Dr. Jung, uh, what yeah. I'd like to talk about now Joanne. is... Joanne. Okay, sorry, I'm so yeah. sorry, Joanne. I'm so, JJ. It's really hard for me. Yeah, okay, <laughs> JJ. Uh, can you talk a bit about the danger of, of being nice yeah. and how it hurts Holy Conference? Uh-huh. That's, that's why I'm never nice. Oh, that, like that's the, why. It's the worst thing. That right it there kill, is why you're never it, nice. It kills conference. Is Boom. That Even before you were a Christian, you I, were still mean. I'm a jerk for Jesus and for the church. All oh, right. Thank you, Joe. We all want to just... Get, yeah. Anyway, so, JJ. Yeah. Yeah, can you talk a bit you about that? You have a that? good section in your book on this. Yeah, you know, we're so afraid of rocking the boat. And I think part of that fear is, well, we want people to come to our small group. You know, there are people checking to see how our numbers are going or... Mm. You know, they're checking to see, um, you know, who's in our group. And if we rock the boat too much, then they're not going to come. So let's not, let's not uh, go too deep. Let's not get too uh, close into each other's lives because one, that may stir up some things that they don't want to talk about and Mm. we don't want to hear. After all, we only have two hours in, in our small group time and, uh, you know, it can't be spent on time, time spent on, you know, people unloading their lives. And and so we, we kind of, um, we, we're just too nice. 
were just too uh, polite. Yeah, would you use, would you use, yeah, passive. Yeah. Uh, that was the that was the word I was looking for. Now, yeah, is there because I we completely agree. In fact, you know, we hear testimonies. We're we're a smaller church, so we don't have we're not. A, a large church, but um, we have several small groups and the testimony that I hear and I've been hearing uh, from people that attend these groups when I meet with them for various reasons, um, they tell oh. me that like, this is the first time I've been in a small group where I can be real, mm-hmm. where these people wow. minister to me with the word of God. And I find out because I'm being transparent about what my current struggle is. Um, they are transparent and it's a completely different thing that we can do away with the politeness and the niceties and get down to this real work. But yeah. is there is there a danger of of ministering to one another through through the word and turning it into a counseling session? Is there do you, yeah, good question. Do you are you are you ever concerned that in our small groups, if we press into this, we might kind of turn it into something other than what you have in mind as you're writing these books? Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, earlier when we talked about the Bible being central, I would turn it to what does God say? Mm-hmm. Because it. Because those counseling sessions just um, involve a conversation, people to people, person to person, member to member, right? Right, right. But someone needs to at one point say, and, I, and I, I've had this conversation with so many more people of late, and I would simply ask this. We're not asking the question, what is God's perspective? Mm. See, we all know our, our own perspective, and you know, we share maybe, um, you know, so what's your perspective? But rarely, but more importantly, we need to ask, what is God's perspective? And that, What's his perspective on this? Right. So it, that requires being in God's word, right? Mm. It requires being in God's word and knowing God's character, knowing his attributes, knowing his, his values, knowing his heart, knowing his love for people, knowing his love for us, knowing his love for the nations. When we have that perspective, then we can ask, so God, what is your perspective on this? So even, What's your even if I was gonna say, even so we should like, you know, invite people to share, but that needs to just be the springboard, right? Not just a springboard, but that gives us the platform from which we can dive into God's perspective. Yeah. We start with where they're at, yeah. what their questions are. You talk a lot about questions that are going to be raised yeah. about God and about humanity in the world. Um, it, it should always be driving us back to the scripture. Yeah. Well, I would want people more dependent on God than dependent on me. Yes. Mm. So I'm going to pull it back to, so what's God's perspective? What's he saying? And then how is that impacting your life? What does it look like? And I I say this to my students all the time. I won't stalk you, but if I were to shadow you, what observable difference would I see Mm -hmm. after knowing you have met God in his word and his spirit resides in you? I I love that. What observable difference? It's it's interesting because that, when I was a, a new convert and I was, you know, these, we, this almost happened naturally. It was, I was a new convert. I was around a bunch of new converts. We were reading the Bible all the time and just sort of exhorting one another with the word. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't, wasn't always organized and it didn't always result in the right doctrine, but there was this natural sort of impulse to do that. And the, the longer we were Christians, we sort of got tamed and we didn't get into each other's business as much. It's like, uh, it, it, uh, I don't know if it was the politeness or I mean, it was just like the excitement kind of ended. I don't know what it was, but it, it did tend to, to happen that way. So when we, when we look at these things, you, just the idea of holy conference, right? Uh, JJ, why, why has the church lost this practice? Oh, I think there are a number of reasons. Uh, and probably a complex number of reasons. Certainly we have technology. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Uh, and I would say not just technology. You know, I would describe myself the same way as another, as a very fine author would describe herself. I'm not anti-technology. I'm just pro-conversation. That's good. That's Sherry Truckle. And I, I like that and I resonate with that. Uh, but with technology, there is the, there is a very strong potential for the abuse of technology. Mm-hmm. There's the addiction to te- technology. That technology then becomes um, the way I communicate, the way I uh, I connect. But that's certainly not necessarily the way we commune with one another, or that we have community with one another. That's different. Mm-hmm. You also write. About, I, think, I was going to say ahead. you you also write about this the the sort of the individualism and the isolation that we've built into our culture and technology fosters that a bit too. It sort of seems like it builds community because you can get on TikTok and have all your friends and your followers or Instagram or whatever, but it, it tends to breed a kind of isolation that works against this, right? Yes. You know, it, it breeds the isolation. It also breeds comparison because Mm. you only put your best fun self out there. Right. Right. Yeah. And so it, it, it breeds the comparison. It breeds then more loneliness. Because you feel like, oh, I could never, I could never attain that. I could never be like her. I can never do what he does. And so we keep looking at it um, and, and thinking, well, this must be true because it's on Facebook or it's on you know, Instagram. It must be true. We've talked but about that. We, we've talked about that here before where, um, and I've mentioned this example that my, my wife, you know, we have four kids and, um, and she was homeschooling. Oh, really? All right. There you go. That's, that's, that's full family right there. Well, yep. it's full family, Jimmy. Oh, you're insinuating that. What? I'm not insinuating that. Yeah, you are. You're I'm totally. You, I'm saying that she's no, got a full family. No, you're Praise insinuating the one, though, that whoever the doesn't have four kids is not a full family. I'm just saying that you should you're have saying, another one. Because three kids. Wouldn't your wife like another? Wouldn't like, your wife like a fourth? What did I tell you? Okay. There's only four weeks in a, in a month. Mm-hmm. I got three kids plus a wife. They yeah. each get one week of love. I, I, I don't think that's how it's supposed to work. It doesn't work that way. You put another one and someone's getting thrown off. But Jen would look at my wife would look at uh, at some of these people on Instagram who had more kids and who also homeschooled and they always looked beautiful. Their houses were always perfect. And she was like, see, they can do it and I can't. And that's like I would have to remind her, like, that's all a posed picture. It's not real. It's yeah. not life. And life's supposed to yeah. be a bit more chaotic. So I totally see that. One of the things I wanted to to come back to was this idea of how the previous Sunday sermon played such a big role in conference mm. for the Puritans. Um, I know here at Redeemer, we are small groups, um, follow a sermon discussion guide. And so okay. when, uh, when I'm, while I'm preaching, somebody, one of our small group leaders, it's a scheduled it's a rotation. rotation. Yeah. So whoever is scheduled, our small, one of our small group leaders will take notes and then write questions that are designed to go deeper into the doctrinal biblical truths uh, that I was trying to preach on and, and then ask sure. questions to, to sort of lead a discussion into each other's lives. And so they, that gets, goes out to all of the small group leaders and they have the discussion. So we do that, but, why was it so important? Why did it, that play such a role and why should it play such a role in our small groups when we have access to so many different kinds of, you know, of curricula and um, videos and, and other uh, means to, to teach? I think we have to back up just a little bit to say the, um, with the, Pur- had the Puritans viewed scripture, they viewed it with such high, high authority. They had the high authority of scripture and they, equated that with the sermon message. This was the word of God. Mm. So in their private Bible reading, it was uh, the authority of scripture. So the authority of God in scripture. When they heard the sermon message, it was the same thing. Mm. They took it. This is the word of God. 
and they're taking notes on the word of God. In fact, it's funny, I believe um, there would be pastors who, with some of their members in congregants, if they uh, missed something in their sermon notes, you know, that happens to me often. What, what did he say? What, you know, what, right. what was that comment? Or, uh, well, the pastors would leave their sermon notes out after the, the church service for those who missed something. Wow. That's great. That's, that, that's, that's really sort of, it sounds progressive thinking like mm-hmm. for the day that yeah. they would, um, it's, it's funny because I, when I preach, I preach from a, a single sheet, um, that I just kind of stuck in my Bible, but I have uh-huh. increasingly people are asking, can, can you send a photo of that to me? So I can have your notes, even though they're just handwritten notes, they want that picture because, uh, they might miss something or they might, you know, yeah. whether it's a scripture reference or whatever it, the Puritans did that. I didn't even know they did that. Mm. That's yeah. awesome. Pretty phenomenal. Uh, yeah, so so there was a, a very strong relational mm. uh, connection between the pastor and the congregants via this sermon and then their sermon notes. And I might just interject something, just a, a recent research. They, they say that when you write something, I know this as a professor, when students write something, paper, pen, pencil, and hand, they'll learn it far better and more deeply right. than if they just heard it or if they type it on the computer. There's something about um, how it connects with our brains when we go through the motion of writing something out. Um, so taking notes and, um, and, and I, I would say, you know, I, I, sometimes, I oftentimes tell my students, tell your pastor that you're taking notes. <laughs> I mean, what is that, you know, you're, you guys are pastors. What does it do to you when, when someone comes up to you and says, you know, I started taking notes on your sermon? On your sermon messages, we'll get into how how that gets gets into conference. But I mean, what does that do to a pastor? Yeah, I think it's generally encouraging. It's like you know, it's humbling. Yeah, um, it's humbling. Yes, it's very much yeah. like it, it, it's a reminder. I, I think because especially if if you've been doing it for a while, um, it's a reminder. Like I'm handling the the very word of God. I'm responsible exactly. for the for the word choices, um, for how I present this material. And people are yes. taking notes, which again reminds me, oh, they're actually putting this in their hearts. They're putting this yeah. information in their minds. So yeah, humbling yeah. and 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 uh and encouraging, I think would be the word simultaneously. I would put those two things together. Yeah, good. You're right. So it's putting it in their their minds, uh and they're putting it in their hearts. So if you think about the composition of the heart, it's the, the mind, emotion, and will. The thinking function of the heart is the mind. So thinking function of the heart, thinking, um, emotion, and will. So all of those coalesce together in the heart. So as your pastors are putting together questions, and, and I love what you said, to, so that they can think more deeply on this. And what they're doing is getting that truth into their heart, from which the issues of life. And that's why I talk about observable difference. If it's in the heart, mind, emotion, will, it's going to show up in your behavior. Yeah. But if it doesn't get that far down, if it's not to the level of even emotion, and I'm not saying being to be emotional. I'm just saying when it gets, when that truth, when that thought and truth gets to the level of emotion, there's a stronger likelihood that it's going to show up in your actions. So those questions are imperative Mm. because the target is their heart. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, for those that that, uh, maybe are new to the Puritans and haven't, they just want to begin investigating them, where would you recommend that they start? 
Well, if they haven't heard uh, read uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, that's a great place to start. Um, it's probably it's I don't I don't know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of copies um, that has sold, and there's just a resurgence of interest in Pilgrim's Progress. There are far more uh, films. Um, I I know there's one publishing company that just came out with an, a new um, uh, version of it. It just came out last year. Uh, so there's this resurgence of Puritan materials, but particularly um, Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. I would say start there. What what about something? Um, because I, I agree. I think that is a great place. It's narrative. You can read it to your kids. Like yeah. People get excited, and it's rich with um, theolo- theological um, and experiential underpinnings for the reader. Yeah. Um, what about like the first Puritan book I read was um, Samuel Bolton's The True Bounds of Christian Freedom. And, uh, okay. and I, it was great. I, I loved it, but it was, and it was a Puritan paperback. It wasn't, it wasn't like, Oh, reading Owen. Um, but it was, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Owen, don't, 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 don't yeah. start with Owen. <laughs> <laughs> Owen's, Owen's a pain, but, um, is, is there, is there a particular treatise? Uh, maybe somebody wants to get, maybe they've read Pilgrim's Progress and they want to read something else. Um, any particular treatise or book or maybe just author, like we like Thomas Watson a lot. Like, is there, Oh, you know what? I was just going to mention Thomas Watson. Yeah. I like Thomas Watson. I like Richard Greenham. He doesn't have a, mm. Richard Greenham doesn't have a whole lot out there uh, in reprint, but uh, Thomas Watson is uh, just a, a fine read. Um, Very accessible, I feel like. Yeah. I, I, and I would, I, I would give a pitch to uh, Valley of Vision. It's a collection yeah. of Puritan choirs. Mm, we love that. That is just powerful. Um, and it'll kind of give you a taste of the rich theology that the Puritans had. More, there's uh, more packed into that. There's more packed into one page uh, of Valley of Vision yeah. prayer that, I mean, that's the book that we, first of all, we use the Valley of Vision in our liturgy at church yeah. um, for like some Wonderful. prayers and whatnot. But when people want to, when they ask us, Hey, I want to pray more. I want to be, I want to learn how to pray. That's one of the books we say, start reading this and praying through it. It really will teach you how to pray. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a wonderful collection. Now, um, I, I, I have a, a, a couple of quick questions here. Um, number one, pencil or pen? That's the question. Pencil or pen? Which do, do what? Which do you, well, not not to assault your neighbor. Uh, pencil <laughs> or pen? Oh, Dr. James, he's getting crazy over in California. <laughs> what, uh, what do you prefer to write with? A pencil, like a, like a wood pencil or a, a pen, fountain pen? What do, you, what do you prefer to write with? Okay. Um, I, I, it's not that I'm a peacemaker, but I like both for different reasons. I like sharpened pencils with those old school kind of erasers that really work. Yeah, <laughs> and they don't get you know they get kind of hard, and they they don't really work, and they tear your paper up. Um, so I like sharpened pencils. There's nothing like a sharpened pencil. You pick a pencil up out of you know out of your pencil holder, pen holder, and it's sharp already. I, so I'll I'll sharpen all my pencils at the same time so that I can just go through and not have to stop and go sharpen a pencil. So I like sharpened pencils. Well, when um, I. I was just, just going to say, uh, Jimmy and I are what you might call full blown pencil nerds. Mm. So um, you'll ah, be you'll be getting okay. some you'll be getting some pencil gifts in the mail. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, I I like sharpened pencils, and that kind of carries over to my pens. I like very fine point pens. Ooh, is there a particular brand? 
I have uh, my particular brand, but am I allowed to pitch a brand? Yeah, you can yeah, say yeah, a brand. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> okay. This is um, Energel. It's uh, by Pentel. Mm-hmm. And it's a 0.5. Yeah. yeah I, think, I think McCoy Pond uses that. Yeah, I think that's like, the McCoy Pond. Yeah. Well, he also uses, we, there's the Fuji pen. There's, <laughs> yeah. a, there's a, some really good ones. All right. We, we, love, we like to write. I, we just do most, we research uh, on the internet, but most of our work, we like to write it out on paper. journals, so. yeah. So, um, yeah. are, Joanne, are you online? Are you on the social medias? Are you on, the, I know people can YouTube you. You're all over YouTube with a lot of your teaching. I would encourage people to check that out. Well, we want to be able to link to your stuff and we're going to be linking to your books, of course, but do you have a website or is there anywhere people can connect with you online? Uh, you know what? I don't, I kind of, I kind of back off a little bit. I'm on Facebook, but I kind of back off a little bit from social media because I don't want to become an addict. <laughs> ah, that's good. Yeah. Now, can you give some points to Joe, who you, is an addict? I am not an addict. <laughs> uh, you know what? Grab your phone. Okay, you know grab your phone, Joe, I and I want to see your usage. Let the doctor today. talk. Let the doctor talk. It's the doctor's no, time. She's going to help you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there was, uh, you know, I was just uh, teaching on this this morning and came up with um, a report that CNN had, uh, again, a number of years ago. But they would say, and it was reported elsewhere, that if you're on Facebook more than an hour a day, you are considered an addict. Mm. It's cumulative. Hmm. And like, you know, so many jobs that my students drop, I go, oh, so how many do we have in the, in the house right now? Right. Uh, I wonder how many we have no- on the phone right now, Joe. Okay, first of all, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook or Twitter. Oh, I have to, that's, that's work. Let's go Instagram. Nope, hardly any. Fine, then, yeah. then, then let me hear it. But TikTok, I'll spend, I'll spend a few hours on TikTok. A few hours? Yeah, a day. Hours yeah. a day. Yeah. Just laughing, having a good time. doesn't matter. Um, all right. So, um, well, you know, I could, I could throw Netflix in there too. You know? Oh, wait. Oh, 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 Do, are you pro Netflix or anti Netflix? Uh, it, you know, it depends. This is a question <laughs> we have to ask, right? Yeah. Am I in control of it or is it in control of me? No, that's very good. Mm-hmm. It's very good. It's making me uncomfortable, Joanne. I know you, 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 <laughs> you're, you're picking it. You're picking it. Yeah. 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 Right now, Joe has yeah. his golden calf and you're trying to tear it down. <laughs> leave, leave that poor cow alone. Okay. He ain't bothering nobody. <laughs> what you're doing. Um, Joanne. And I, 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 we really do. One of the things that, that we hope remains true about us is that we try to be really honest about our perspectives, what we believe and who we are. We don't like, we don't want to pretend. So when we say this, we really do mean it. Um, we, your books are amazing. Mm-hmm. They're very important Thank books you. and uh, they're so well-written. I can't wait uh, for our listeners to, uh, to get in on the good stuff. Do you got any other books in the works? I'm sorry. Do, do you have, I any, have any, any other, other books? any new books coming? Working on something maybe? Yeah. Are, are, are you working on a I book? I am. I am working oh, on it. Oh, we just got some inside information. <laughs> <laughs> so can, can you, can you tease it at all or is it top secret? Uh, right now it's top secret. Okay. All right. Right so, now it's top secret. All right. You can tell us. But, uh, uh, I'm hoping, actually I'm co-writing it with a, um, a colleague of mine here at Biola. Mm. And we hope to have the, the full manuscript. This is very, it's, that's, it's very young, um, very early stage. Right. Uh, but we're hoping to have a, a manuscript ready to the publisher, whoever wants it, by um, summer of 2021. Ooh, okay. Mm. Very exciting. Well, um, 
Well, I uh, listen. I, you know what? I will let yeah. you know. Okay. Yeah. You will be one of the first to know. Please Both do. Please do, because okay. uh, we have been personally blessed by these books, and uh, we know others will as well. Thank you, um, Joanne, for coming on. It really means a great deal to us, and uh, we, we know you're taking some time out of your day to do it. So, Jimmy, if people um, want to get uh, the show notes, if they want to find out all the links that we're going to be referencing here, where do they go, and how do they interact with us to keep this conversation about Holy Conference going? Yeah, you can follow us online on Instagram or Twitter at Doc and Devo or on Facebook slash Doctrine and Devotion. You can head to the website, DrVotion.com. There you can contact us. You can send up for the email blast. So hit up the store, JoeFoStore.com and grab some gear. Fresh Pot every Monday and Thursday. Blog post on Wednesdays. Later. Later.